Amen. This place is thick with the presence of God this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I need to take just a moment, and I'm sure you'll want to join me, and welcome our brother, Paul Beeman, back to River of Life. <laughs> Paul's in a wheelchair. He managed somehow to break both of his legs at the same time. But Paul, I got to tell you, when I saw you here at the altar in that wheelchair with your hands raised, I thought of Job. You know, the Bible, Job said, though he slay me, yet will I praise him. Uh, though I break both my legs, I will still praise him. Come on, church. Though I have cancer, I will praise him. Though the whole world falls apart around me, yet will I praise him. Welcome back home, brother. Now, at the conclusion of this service today, we're going to do something very, very special. We've done it before. You don't want to miss it. It's awesome, so don't rush out uh, uh, at the conclusion. It's very, very important. It's one of the most wonderful things this church ever does. Uh, but as we get started this morning, I'm going to tell you a story. There was this lady, this elderly lady, devout, committed. She loved the Lord. She prayed every day. She prayed many times every day. She was very loud when she prayed. And she was in the inner city and there was an atheist that lived right next door to her. And so not only did she pray all the time, but he had to listen to her praying all the time. And it annoyed him all day long. And he would see her in the yard and he would say, why do you even believe in God? There is no God. She'd just smile and keep on praying. She just never quit praying. And one day he heard her praying and she said to the Lord, Lord, you know, I don't have any food in this house and Lord, I need some groceries and Lord, I've heard you in your word. You said to me that David said, I've been young now, but old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor seed big bread. And Lord, I'm, I'm counting on you. I'm depending on you. To provide for me. Well the atheist next door heard it. And he thought this is my opportunity. To prove to her that there is no God. So he ran to the grocery store. Bought two big bags of groceries. Took them to her house. Put them at her front door. Rang the doorbell and ran hid in the bushes. She opened the door. And she saw those groceries. And she started shouting praise God. Hallelujah. What a faithful God. What an amazing, wonderful God who has answered my prayers. And he stepped out and he said, you old foolish woman. God didn't provide those groceries for you. I did. Well, she stepped it up a notch or two. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Marvelous beyond my wildest dreams. And he said, what are you doing? She said, I knew he'd provide groceries for me. I just didn't know he'd make the devil pay for them. <laughs> Now, I'm pretty sure somebody just made that story up. But after all, Jesus made stories up in the Bible to drive home a point. You want the point? Prayer works. Prayer is powerful. Prayer moves heaven and earth. 
Sometimes prayer will even move God to use your enemies to deliver the blessing. What an amazing God we have. Well, I'll tell you another story, and this one is actually a true story. Uh, I and my wife had the privilege of knowing when we were just beginning, we had just been married uh, only a year or so, there was an elderly pastor and his wife by the name of T.S. Woody. Brother and Sister Woody, what an amazing couple. Some of you remember, they pastored in this county at one time and then later in Atlanta, and I would go to Atlanta and preach revivals for them. But they sat in our living room one day and they would tell us these stories about prayer. And, and I'll tell you how old they were. They were so old that when they got married, she was still cooking on a wood stove. And I just, that just blows my mind. But she said, uh, uh, we, we didn't have the money uh, to get a stove. And so we were still cooking on a wood stove. And she said, our first little pastorate. And she said, my, pa- my husband would go out, Brother Woody. He's sitting there listening to her tell this story. Said he would go out and minister. And then he would come in at lunchtime and eat. But she said, one day he came in. And he brought an entire family with him and said to her, they're going to eat with us today. And she said what he did not know was that they did not have enough food in the house for the two of them, much less an entire family. And she thought, what shall I do? Shall I embarrass my husband? Shall I tell him we can't? What do I do in this situation? And she said, I got up knowing the word of God. She said, I went to our kitchen. She said, I got the wood, I put it in the stove, I started a fire in that stove to heat that stove up so we could cook. And she said, once the fire had started, she said, I backed away from that stove. And she said, I dropped down on my knees and I began to pray, God, you're faithful, God. Lord, you do all things well. You bless your children. You, you said if we would call upon you that you would hear us and show us great and mighty things which we know not of. God, we need food. We need food right now. And she said she prayed for a long time. The stove was now ready to cook. And she said, and then there was a knock on the back kitchen door. Said there's a little boy standing there and he had some, some bags of groceries in his arms like this. And he said, ma'am, My mama said she was praying and God said that she was to send you some food. And she said she took that, those groceries. She said she had everything there she needed to prepare a feast. She said she cooked it all. She put it on the table. And when she called for her husband and the family to come in, she said her husband almost fainted when he walked in there (laughs) and saw all that food. It was like Thanksgiving. And he looked at her and she goes, (laughs) <laughs> and, and so they ate and, and then the family left and he said, what in the world? She told him the whole story. She said, our God answers prayer. And when she told us that story, I remember, uh, Mrs. Woody, uh, had finished the story and he said to me, brother P.S. Woody said, Henry, you know what we did? I said, no, tell me. He said, after they left said, we praised God and laughed in the devil's face. 
we praised God and laughed in the devil's face. You see, the devil is a liar. He lies to you. He lies to me. He's constantly spinning lies and trying us to get a get us to believe a lie, but our God is a mighty God. Our God is a powerful God. Our God is a God who provides. Our God is a God who comes through in the nick of time. And I, I tell you, I've never forgotten that. Praise God and laugh in the face of the devil. I like that. Well, this morning, I'm starting a series of messages entitled A Journey into Powerful Prayer. A journey into powerful prayer. And this is just simply introductory this morning. But I want to call your attention to a couple of verses. James 5.16. It says, The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, say it with me, avails much. Man, I love that word, much. It doesn't say little. It says much. And if you read this same verse in the New Living Translation, it says this. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, I tell you, looking at those two translations of the word of God, we come to this conclusion that our prayer lives should accomplish much, have great power, and bring wonderful results. I want to tell you this morning, church, that the purpose of this study is to take us on a journey to a place where our prayer lives individually and collectively as a church line up with this one verse where our prayer lives accomplish much, have great power and wonderful results. And I'm just asking you wouldn't, you, wouldn't you love for your prayers to accomplish much, have great power and bring forth wonderful results. Now you may be thinking, because I know there are many skeptics and because we all fall prey to the lies of the enemy, you may be thinking, is this really God's intent for us as a church and for me as an individual? Is this really what my prayer life should look like? Should, should, should my prayer life be a prayer life that accomplishes much many things? Should it be filled with great power and should it, should it have wonderful results? Is that what God really wants for me? And the answer to that question is yes. Yes. If you believe the Bible, I'm going to share with you seven verses. There are dozens of these verses and I'll be sharing many more, uh, in the messages in the days to come. But let's just go through these seven and you can write them down. Matthew 21, 22, in all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Man, what a promise. John 14, 13 through 14, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You got to admit, these are amazing scriptures, aren't they? 1 John 3, 22, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. 
Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. First John five fourteen. This is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And then finally, Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say unto you, if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Now I want to tell you, those are some absolutely amazing passages of Scripture. You see, this is what the Bible tells us our prayer lives should look like. This is the Bible's uh, way of telling us what could be, what might be, what should be in our lives. Now think about all these scriptures I've just shared with you. Now, I, I just want you to know that sometimes we just have to get real. We have to get real about ourselves and about where we stand with God. If these scriptures reveal to us what our prayer life should look like, then something is wrong. Something seriously wrong. And some correction needs to be made. Now, I'm not trying to get in your face. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. But I'm telling you that when I take those seven verses and I look at them and I compare my own prayer life to those seven verses, my conclusion is something is wrong. Now, before I move on, I I do want to share this with you, that there are those who will tell us in our modern day that nothing is wrong. There are those who will tell us that this is the way it should be, that what you need to do, what I need to do, what the church needs to do is we need to come to church We need to pay our tithes. We need to read our Bibles. We need to say our prayers every now and then. And we just need to hold on. Don't expect anything more from God. I'm serious. There are those who will tell us that modern day Christians are not supposed to have the power in prayer that the New Testament speaks of. They will tell us no. You're not even supposed to have that. You see, there are those who will tell us that no need to pray if you're looking for a miracle. Because miracle signs and wonders don't exist anymore. There's those who tell us that don't think for a moment that your prayer will bring forth the mighty power of God. That it'll change lives, move mountains, heal the sick bring forth miracles and accomplish much for the glory of God. In other words, don't believe that your prayer life will do exactly what the Bible says your prayer life should do. Now, believe it or not, the Bible warns us about people like this. It actually does. And it tells us that people who teach such things that we should turn away from them, that we should not listen to them, that we should not let them into our heads and hearts, that we should refuse to sit under teaching like that. Turn away from them. Let me give it to you. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5. And I won't read it all, but it says, but know this, that in the last days, 
And then it gives a list, a description of what people will be like in the last days. In other words, it says they'll be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemies, uh, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. But the last one on the list says this, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. You, you see, the Bible says there'll be people like that. And, and if you'll think about it for a moment, it really does make sense. I mean, it's reasonable. It's logical to understand how they do this. You take somebody who is a teacher, a preacher, a theologian, a spiritual leader, and they have no power in their lives. They have no power in prayer. It is accommodating for them to say, we're not supposed to have power. See, that's what they say. We're not supposed to have, we're not supposed to see miracles. We're not supposed to see bodies healed and lives changed and miracles take place for which there is no other explanation except God came down and did something. Now, church, I'm just saying to you early in this study, and this is kind of introductory. You've got to make up your mind which one you believe. You've got to decide. Do, do you believe that the New Testament is relevant for us today? Do you believe that what God put in that word, those seven verses and many more are for us to claim? Or do you believe it's all passed away? Because I got to tell you, people that don't believe in the power of God rarely ever see the power of God. And believing is highly important as we shall see in this study. It is big time. So I'm not sure where you stand. I think I know where you stand, but I got to tell you where I stand. I believe those seven verses are for us, for this day, for us to claim, for us to stand on, for us to hold on to, for us to look at our own lives and then look at those scriptures and say, that's not where I am. So I've got to change where I am to get to where God is and to do what he says do. I, I'm just telling you that you've got to decide. I've made up my mind. I think I know where you stand, but just in case there's a doubter in the bunch, I just need to tell you where I stand. You see, I believe those seven verses and many, many more are to be an ongoing reality in our lives. I believe that we as Christians should be praying and there should be much accomplished by our prayers. Uh, we should accomplish much. I believe that when you pray and when I pray, stuff ought to be happening all around us. Uh, it, it, it should be happening in your business, in your finances, in your health, in your life, in your world. Everything you touch, everything you around should be affected by the way you pray. And I also believe that when you and I pray, it should usher in the great power of God. There should be manifestations of power. I think the church has become weak and anemic today. We, we have a church now that's real happy when nothing supernatural is going on. And that doesn't make sense anyway, does it? Join the Rotary Club if that's the way you feel. I mean, come on. The church was supernaturally birthed. You were supernaturally saved. 
We should be walking in supernatural power before the world. I believe with all my heart that when we pray, oh, friends, I'm telling you, when we pray, there should be wonderful results. Now, listen up. While I believe that, and I do believe that, that's not what I'm seeing. That's not what I'm seeing at all. Uh, And if we believe something, but we're not seeing it, then that equals something is wrong, doesn't it? And correction needs to be made. And I just want you to know this whole study is going to be about correcting how we pray, the way we pray, uh, everything about our prayer lives to bring us in line with what the scripture says. Listen, and it's not just prayer. Anytime something's wrong in your life, this is what you should do. Anytime you should go to the word of God, you should stay in the word of God and you should not leave the word of God until you find out what's wrong and what the Bible says about making it right. And then you change who you are, where you are, what you're doing, what you're thinking and everything about you that lines up with God's word. And you get back there until the problem is gone. It'll work. It will work. So the first step, you've heard it said many times, the first step in correcting a problem is what? Acknowledging you have a problem. So I'm asking you today to do some personal evaluation. I was telling Brother Charles earlier that uh, a month or so back, I, when I started this study with no intent of preaching on it, I w- it was for myself that I started evaluating myself against the word of God. And I'm thinking, man, I'm doing a lot of praying with a little result. Not much, not accomplishing much. I'm just asking you, would you be honest with yourself? I'll ask you a few questions. Three, they all come out of that passage I read to you earlier. Here's the first question. Is your prayer life accomplishing much? Is it really I'm not talking about that one or two or three occasional answers to prayer that you might get in the course of a year. But is your prayer life accomplishing much? Listen, the word of God is right. Amen. We can stand on the word of God, right? We can believe the word of God, right? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Is your prayer life accomplishing much? Much. Now, I know a few people, have known a few people through the years that could say yes to that. But they're few and far between. But I think this is for everybody, don't you? I think God meant for all of us to embrace these truths and to see the power of God. My second question to you this morning is this. Do you believe that your prayer life and is your prayer life changing circumstances around you and touching your life, the lives of your family members and the lives of others with great power. These are valid questions coming right out of the word of God. Do you believe that your prayer life and is your prayer life bringing great power 
into the lives of others. Did you know that availeth much? I looked at it in the Greek and I was shocked at what I read. When the scripture says availeth much, it means to wield with power, like the wielding of a sword. That when we pray, it should be, we should be engaged in, in wielding the power of God. A sword that drives back the enemy and wins the victory. Is there power? Is it accomplishing much? Is there great power? Uh, the last question is that, that third one, when you pray, are you seeing wonderful results that bring glory to God? I, 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 I'm sorry, but I've, I just felt led of the Lord to ask you these questions. Uh, listen, the old theologians used to say, God does nothing save an answer to prayer. And we have another scripture in the Bible that says, you have not because you ask not. Now, it also goes on to talk about asking the right way. But the fact is, we have not because we ask not. And, and God wants us to pray. It's his design. We pray. God responds. He moves in. He does something wonderful. He gets the glory. We didn't do it. He did it. We ask like he told us. We came before the throne of grace. Heaven came down and accomplished something. To God be the glory just asking you is that going on in your life well one last time the first step in solving a problem is admitting that you have one in this study we will these are some subjects we'll deal with what's wrong with modern day prayer and trust me friends there's a lot that's wrong we'll look at hindrances to effective powerful prayer We'll look at personal responsibility when it comes to prayer. We'll look at fake and phony praying that accomplishes nothing. And we'll look at how to have the grace of God on your prayers. I just want to tell you this morning, church, there is a place of powerful prayer. And that's where I want us to go. That's where I want this journey to take us. In the Old Testament, there's a story, and it's about Israel, and they were in one of the worst times they'd ever been in, ever. And they were starving to death. They had been surrounded by the Syrian army, and they were starving to death. They had no food. I mean, people were dying. And the man of God prayed. And when the man of God prayed, he got an answer from God. And he went to the king and he told the king, this is what he says. He said, king, tomorrow, this time tomorrow, 24 hours from now, there will be more food in the streets than we can eat. There's going to be food everywhere. Everywhere, food. People are going to have more than enough for everybody. When he told the king that, the officer who was assisting the king, listen to this. This is, comes out of Second Kings 7th chapter. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. I'm going to tell you, that's kind of shocking to hear somebody say that. And we don't say that out loud, but there are a lot of Christians today who feel just like that. They just don't believe anymore. 
But he said, that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. Now, I'm not going to tell you the whole story, but I got to tell you, God did open the windows of heaven. And the streets were filled with food. And people did have more than enough. An amazing, marvelous, miraculous miracle took place. But the officer who said that, there's one last thing that the man of God said to him when he said that couldn't happen if God opened the windows of heaven. And you know what the man of God said to him? Oh, it'll happen, but you won't eat of it. You won't eat any of it. And if you read the whole story, the town was so excited about the food, they were stampeding and they ran over him and he died. And he never put one morsel in his mouth. I'm not trying to scare you folks, but I just want to tell you something that you're not going to eat of the blessings God has for you unless you decide it's time to pray. It's time to find out how to pray. It's time to learn what God's word says about prayer and to start praying. I'm just telling you, I love this church. You love this church. It's a great church and some good things are happening. You let this church learn how to pray like God teaches us to pray and we'll shake this county for the glory of God. I mean, it'll turn it upside down. You let this church learn how to pray like God wants us to pray. And I tell you, friends, we'll see our children getting saved. We'll see our grandchildren getting saved. We'll see bodies being healed. We'll see manifestations of the power of God. We'll see the glory of God. I'm telling you that something needs to change. There needs to be a correction. That's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to insult you. Yesterday, my son and I went out. We're deer hunters. And I shot my rifle. And I was shooting for one spot. It hit another spot. And, and man, I, I, didn't, I didn't like that. Guess what we did? We started making corrections until we got it straight and got the bullet back to where it was supposed to go. I'm telling you, if your prayers are missing the mark, honestly, isn't it time to do something? Isn't it time to find out what God's word Wow. You know, the assistant to the king, he, uh, he didn't get to participate in it because he didn't believe it. He didn't step into it. And I believe this is a church that's ready to believe on new levels. And to believe, I'm not asking you to believe me. I'm asking you to believe what the scripture says. I read seven verses to you. I just want you to believe that. I just, I want us to believe it and do whatever it takes to get there. And I'm going to be showing you some things that will help you. Let me just close with one last story. Uh, One night many years ago, this was shortly after my wife and I were married before our children were born. And this was in the early 70s. And there was this terrible drought in Wakulla County. I mean, it was dry. It was one of the worst droughts that I've ever known of in this county. And she and I, I don't even remember all the details, but we found ourselves at Pastor O.G. Hall. You'll hear more about him in this study. Pastor O.G. Hall's home 
And there was a group of people there. And we were praying about all kinds of things. And when he prayed, I, I'm serious, when he prayed, it was just, it was just never ending. He just prayed and prayed and prayed. Uh, on one occasion, he prayed so long that my wife went to sleep and was snoring while he was praying. <laughs> I'm not making that up. I mean, it was like an hour long he prayed. But he was all into this. When you make connection with God, you don't just run off. You stay there for a season. You got me? By the way, I reached over and punched her and said, wake up. And she woke up and started praying. <laughs> just like she was all spiritual and that kind of stuff. And so, but anyway, we were praying that one night. And we were praying. And Brother Hall turned his attention. And he said, you know, we have a drought in the county. God's able to open the windows of heaven. He said, let's pray. And he starts praying. And he starts calling on the Lord. And he, he, he starts saying, Lord, you know we need this rain. You've given us prayer promises. He quoted many promises in the Bible. We'll talk about that, friends. When you pray, use scripture. You know why? Because God can't lie. God can't lie. And it's okay to say, Lord, you said this right here, so I'm going to believe this and I'm, I'm going to stand on this. He quoted scripture. And we prayed for the longest time. And somehow, now we were young. My goodness, we were young. And we finished praying. He said, it'll be raining by daylight. We just kind of sat there and looked at him. He said, I want you to pick up the phone and I want you to call all your friends and family. Tell them to put the windows up in their cars uh, and down in their homes. Really? I didn't want to do it. I thought, okay. So I called my, my oldest brother. I said, brother, it's going to be raining in the morning, so put your windows up in your car and down in your house. He said, what are you doing? Where are you? I said, I'm at Brother Hall's house. And he said, you want me to do what? I said, make sure your windows are up in your car and down in your house. And my brother said, really, I'm supposed to get out of bed and do this? I said, yes. I said, Brother O.G. Hall said, do it. And he is a man of God. And he got a word from God. And he told us to call people, so I'm calling you. He gets up out of bed, puts his windows up in his car, makes sure they're up, makes sure everything's ready. And friends, at daybreak the next morning, this county was receiving an open heaven of rain from the father. I come on, come on. Isn't there something in you and in me that says it's not enough for a past generation to have that kind of a relationship in prayer, but we need it today. You need it. I need it. Your family needs it. Your children need it. Your finance, there's everything we needed. God didn't mean for us to be like everybody else in the world. We are his children. We're his children. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you bow with me in prayer? With your heads bowed, your eyes closed. We're going to talk a lot about prayer through this series. And I'm going to talk to you about prayers that never reach heaven. 
prayers that are hindered. I will talk to you about prayers that God never hears. I'll show you scripture behind this. I'll show you those kind of prayers in the scriptures, but I want to tell you this morning, there is a prayer, no matter who you are, that if the Holy Spirit is drawing you, if you'll pray this prayer this morning, God will hear this prayer and he'll save your soul. And you can join us on a journey that I think will be one of the most wonderful journeys this church ever takes. I think it'll transform this church. Here it is. If you need to pray this prayer, would you pray it with me? Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins. Please have mercy upon me. Please wash me thoroughly in the blood of Jesus. Lord Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for my sins. I believe you came out of that grave alive. I believe you're a living savior. And I'm asking you right now, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart and save my soul. And then Lord, I want you to put me on a journey, a journey that takes me all the way to the center of your will. Where, where I can have what your word says I can have. And I can do what your word says I can do. And that the promises of God are mine. Lord, I need you desperately. My children need you. My family needs you. I need you, Lord. Please, Lord, save my soul. I trust you right now. In Jesus' name. Amen.